there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Tim Naftali. Let me just also clarify one thing we did not say, because I know our young listeners for sure are aware of the fact that Nixon recorded the conversations that were happening in the Oval Office, but it was Kennedy that had set the system up. Well, actually, it was Franklin Roosevelt. Who was Franklin the first. Roosevelt. He was the first, but the system changed over time. Franklin Roosevelt's system was designed by Daryl Zanuck of uh, Hollywood fame. And it was a 60 millimeter soundtrack that was in the wall of the Oval Office that, I mean, there was, it was, there was no video part of it. It's just audio. And he, we don't know for sure why he did it. And the only tapes that exist from Roosevelt are from 1940. But we can, I think, pretty, pretty fair, I can think pretty persuasively argue that he knew in 1940 he was trying to do something unprecedented by running for a third term. George Washington had set the standard. You know, you could not be president for longer than eight years. And here's Roosevelt wanting a third term. And I, I think he wanted to have a better sense of what was going on around him. And initially, he started to tape press conferences, because in that era, press conferences were not covered live, and they were not for attribution. They had very strange press conferences, and it was more of a press availability. But then what the White House would do, it would allow the press to then publish parts of it. And he wanted to have control to know exactly what he had said, because he was engaged in two highly sensitive initiatives simultaneously. One, running for a third term. And two, he was moving this country closer to intervention in World War II at a time when the United States was very divided on the issue. In fact, I would say lean towards isolationism. So the tapes were a protective device for him. Uh He's the first. And, And then Dwight Eisenhower tapes using a dictabelt machine. In other words, like a tape recording machine that you'd use for memos in that era for secretaries. And he used that when he would meet with people he didn't trust. And he starts the process, I think, when he's president of Columbia University, and then he does it a little bit when he's at NATO. And that's, these are the people who would come to him and argue that he should run for president. And he did not trust politicians, so he wanted a record of what they were saying to him. He continued this in the White House. Unfortunately, not many of those, they're, they're recorded on what were then known as dictabelts. Not many survived. Some have. The Eisenhower Library has a few. We know there were more of them because his administrative assistant kept a record of what he taped and of what the president, what was taped by the president. She kept this record. Anyway, unfortunately, not, not all of the ones that were taped survived. For example, his conversations with Vice President Richard Nixon, which would be so rich. Could you imagine if we had Eisenhower's tapes of Nixon in addition to Nixon's tapes of Nixon? <laughs> that would be cool. Then John F. Kennedy installed a taping system that was also different. He didn't know about Eisenhower's. And Kennedy has the most sophisticated and widespread taping system in American history to that point. LBJ 
well, RFK rips out the system. He has the system removed after his brother is assassinated. And LBJ has a, had a tradition of taping his telephone conversations when he was in the Senate. Those have not survived, or at least I don't know of any. When he was vice president, he taped. Those have, are not available yet, but they do exist. He has the telephone tapes. And then at the end of his second term, LBJ puts in a taping system when he starts worrying about the future of Vietnam. Nixon then, as is the case with Nixon in all areas, takes it to the next level, okay? There had been dirty tricks before Nixon, Nixon takes them to the next level. There had been taping before Nixon, Nixon takes it to the next level. He's a technophobe. He asked that it be a sound activated system and that it be all over the place. So it's not just in the Oval Office, it's in the cabinet room, it's in his study at Camp David, it's on the phone in his Oval Office, it's the phone upstairs, it's the phone at Camp David. Uh, sorry, it's not the phone upstairs, it's the phone at Camp David. It's an extensive system. Oh, and it's also in his hideaway in the old executive office building. And because it's sound activated, it goes on whenever there's sound, not just voices, but sound. And so the U.S. government has about 3,800 hours of Nixon tapes. Woo! Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.